This episode is brought to you by Snapple. Want to know another Snapple fact? The first hot air balloon passengers were a sheep, a duck, and a rooster. Ridiculous. Check out Snapple.com to find ridiculously flavored Snapple near you. We say things that don't mean anything, but thanks for listening. Yeah. Hello, everybody, and welcome to We Say Things, episode 60. My name is Suns Fan. Joining me is Cinderin and a very special guest who will not be allowed to say anything until we go over our patron shout-out, Cinderin. Would you like to start okay. us off? Yeah, okay. Uh, as always, big thanks, everybody in the in Bruce tier um, for contributing as much as you do to the podcast and keeping it running. Uh, of course, we're talking about bacon. No, not that bacon. The other bacon. Lick, puco, tickles. Houston Adamo, Shark TM, Hoey988, Pog underscore Enthusiast. Oh, that's nice. Freshly seasoned goat balls, also nice. Change Will Happen, Poop Feast 420, Hugh G. Rection, and Ben Broomhead has a broomhead. Ben Jackson is superior. Also, a super <laughs> thank you. <laughs> it's always more awkward when there's a guest on. Thank you to Dop. Thank you to Mom. Nay, Im Yachosnak, Fane underscore man, Ben Broomhead is cooler than Ben Jackson, Pitch Black, Fellowship of the Ping, DG, Terry Tip, Wooden Aftertaste, Dun Talk, The Coward, Dyslexic Lawyer, Anonymous, and Ronnie Keel. Thank you guys very much for being our supporters. So, with that out of the way, uh, I'd like to introduce Nikki Elise, otherwise known as... Don't don't give me that face. Otherwise known as Sajadine, she is a former talent agent in Hollywood. She helped run all the captains drafts. She's an agent in the Dota scene. Well, actually, esports in general. Streamer, artist, and of course, most famously, the girlfriend of the greatest Dota two talent of all time, uh, Suns fan. So, how's it going, Nikki? Mm. Wow, Suns fan. I thought that was Odie Pixel, not you, but okay. Thank you. I hear that all the time. She <laughs> she calls out his name all the time. Uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for joining us on this very what? awkward. <laughs> oh Don't worry. We're not going to cut that out. Um, so, Nikki, before, uh, well, obviously we brought you on because there's been a lot of drama in the scene and we needed a female perspective. And you and I have talked about a lot of this stuff privately, of course. Um, yeah. So this is going to be a bit of a heavy episode, which... You know, is good from time to time. We need to definitely focus on some of that stuff. Um, do you want to give a little bit of your background before uh, we get started? Other than um, what I already said. Yeah, I mean, to kind of, I guess, expound on that. You know, I got into the Dota scene. I was still working as a talent agent in LA. I was there for probably about four years. Met you. Um, also got into streaming at around the same time. Uh, so talking to you and I also, I think, met a couple of the NA players at the time. And when they found out what I did, you know, they would poke me like, hey, can you take a look at our contract? And I was like, sure. Uh, and it kind of just like snowballed from there. Uh, you know, TI3, TI4, like helped a lot with like Dota Cinema stuff. And then we kind of just collaborated a lot in many different projects and i also try to you know do like 
my my own things here and there. So but, for contract stuff, if I ever uh, am underpaid, it's your fault, right? Is that how it goes? The agent's always at fault. That's only if you go through me. Exactly. <laughs> sure. <laughs> Good. I'm, I'm glad we Why have that. <laughs> this is my favorite part. All right, so we're going to have to start doing it that way then. <laughs> my favorite part about having you on this podcast is I can make you agree to things now. Like, I'm right about something every now and then, you know? Because apparently I'm, I'm no. usually wrong about everything. I will admit that fully. <laughs> But when I'm right, I make sure that Nikki knows that I am very right. Um, like yesterday? What happened yesterday? How did that turn out for you? Oh, yeah. I mean, I'm right one out of ten times, Cinder. Not to make this more awkward for that's, you as we okay. start yeah. this Not that know. bad, actually. That's <laughs> thank you. better thank than you. I thought. Um, okay. So this isn't going to be like a typical episode where we go through your whole life like we've had in the past with some of the guest okay. episodes because we just have a lot of stuff to cover um so i figured before we get into the dota stuff um since you kind of pay attention to other scenes as a whole uh, a lot of other industries within esports i suppose have been experiencing some of the same movements do you want to give us maybe the i don't know if a tldr is the right way to just summarize everything and we don't need to like go into detail by any means, but tell us about other scenes that we would maybe not have yeah, heard about. Um, I mean, you know, so the gaming industry in general is, or streaming scene, I suppose, and esports scene in general is kind of going through their own movement. Um, a few notable big ones, especially in the streaming slash Twitch, you know, scene other than, I guess, Mixer shutting down, um, you know, there was uh, Fedmeister from Offline TV, and I believe their former manager were both called or were both accused or called like you know doing inappropriate actions with the with their roommates, who are all also very popular streamers. Uh, an interesting one that I remember reading about was I Casper, because he was in charge of doing a lot of charity work for uh, Twitch especially when it came to like TwitchCon and stuff, which, you know, that's something that I did like before. So having to have interactions with them and a lot of the people that would participate in charity events actually had to kind of, you know, have these experiences, which were not very great. And it goes all the way up the ladder because you have even employees of Twitch uh, being called out in, in the movement. Um, so that's, that's going to be interesting. So Twitch is kind of stepping in and saying, oh, yeah, you know, we're not going to put up with this. A lot of the streamers have already been banned or are going to be, but then people are still putting a lot of pressure as far as Twitch taking action. Uh, the, the Smash community is a big mess. Uh, there is a mega thread for anybody interested in catching up and looking at all of you know the the long list, the laundry list that they're experiencing. It's a lot, but some of the notable names and situations that have come out is uh, Zero, Nairo, uh, Sinpai. A lot of it involves underage relationships, um, ex like exploits and grooming. So it's if that's a trigger warning for people, kind of just like a heads up on that. And I believe Sky Williams is once again. This was tonight. Sky Williams is you know, putting his statements out there. So we'll kind of have to keep an eye on how that falls out. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's 
you know, and that's just like, I guess, in streaming. I know other industries are doing the same thing. Um, uh, the art and comic book industry and convention scene is also going through something similar at the same time. So but, I didn't yeah. look <laughs> too into detail on all this stuff, but I looked at the mega thread and I read some comments and I read a couple twit longers in regards to like the smash stuff specifically. And whew, Nintendo yeah. did not ever have anything to do with the esports scene before. And everybody complained about it. I, I can't see that ever happening now. That is, I don't know. Is that recoverable? I don't even know what the fallout is going to be for something that major. Um, but yeah, that I guess is just the summarization of some of the other scenes going on right now. But of course, we're going to focus more on Dota. So what I want to do is talk by myself for about five minutes straight. <laughs> um, I'm just going to list all the stuff, not all the stuff, but some of the major things that happened over the past of the course two, three weeks. Um, we're not going to go into detail on any of the specific cases, at least not yet. We can reference some of it afterwards. Um, it's not going to be a chronicle, chronological order or anything like that. There's no particular order. But I do want to say thanks to Raynessa for making the mega thread on this because it <laughs> there's a lot of shit. So it was a lot easier to look at some of the highlights. So uh, first, we talked about this a couple of weeks ago, Cinder, but Grant, uh, women came out against him. Uh, Lama Down Under being one of them. She filed a restraining order way back when and felt that Grant's behavior was enabled by community members. Uh, and then Grant ends up writing that he's leaving the scene for a long time, if not permanent. And then after he wrote that, somebody came out reporting that he drugged them and raped them at one of the TIs, a TI4, I think it was. I think so, yeah. I think that was too. Uh, and again, this is not chronological at all. Toby, this is the maybe the biggest one. Uh, multiple reports about Toby and sexual assault, some of which he admitted to. Uh, Code Red drops him. Toby's voice lines immediately removed from the game via Valve. Uh, Toby ends up tweeting some... It, he deleted some tweets, but overall, I think a lot of the sentiment from the general public was... I mean, there's some split, obviously, but was that he was kind of using his kid as a a shield to a degree... Um, I guess well, we can talk about that later if needed, but all in all, he ends up tweeting something as a final tweet, if you will, basically retiring from the scene. Uh, then towards the beginning, Zyra and Ashney Christ were, had some drama from way back when Ashney Christ made a twit longer, basically saying that she felt pressured, um, to sleep with Zyra in order to get into the scene. And Zyra's response was basically he had no idea that she felt this way for all this time. Uh, that one we might be getting into a little bit later because the general reception was very polarizing. Uh, not to go off on a tangent, but it feels like like Nikki and I, like I can see both perspectives, but I think Nikki can see both perspectives, but we still disagree on a lot of the details. Not the details, but the what's the right way to summarize? It feels like every couple we talk to, it's like split, right? Isn't that how it feels like for you? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, which is kind of interesting. Uh, and then... We had drama with Demon. Uh, Elaine, who used to work for Twitch, reports that he was basically being slimy, which I, I heard a lot of rumors about him back in the day as well. Uh, his response was very weird. Um, actually, that's probably the weirdest response I've ever seen in any, any scene, any industry. It, And I think one of the comments referenced the fact that it, it sounded like he just picked up a thesaurus, uh, 
and replaced 50% of the words with things that are quote-unquote synonyms, but most of them just didn't work. It was really weird. But he did update his tweet, I guess, saying he's going to take some more time off and then come back with a better response or something to that degree. Then we had more drama with uh, Digital Chaos, uh, our second manager, uh, talking about a, an individual that I referenced early on. I think it's episode two or three where I talk about some of the details behind Digital Chaos and the co-owner with me, or the majority owner, I guess. His name is Tom. He is basically in jail for fraud, amongst other things. Uh, and she claims that she was sexually harassed by Tom, which, of course, at the time I didn't know about, but I'm not surprised at all because Nikki went through a bunch of shit before that, which that I did want to talk about this a little bit just because we did. I did discuss, like I said in an earlier episode, but I didn't go into any details. And the reason I didn't go into details is because I would have to talk about Nikki's experiences, which I, I'm not going to do that unless she ever wants to come out with it at some point. So we're just going to leave it at that. And then the final thing um, in terms of what's been going on the last couple of weeks, Red Eye uh, is basically out of the scene. So a host named James Banks... I knew about this thing for a while, by the way. I don't know about you guys. Um, he's been writing something for quite a while, basically saying that Red Eye has been pushing him out of the scene for years because he didn't like him, um, preventing him from getting jobs, which led to a lot of suicidal tendencies or thoughts or whatever you want to call them from, from James himself. Uh, and then, of course, he reported, and this one I heard about as well a long time ago, uh, reports and testimonies from witnesses of a physical alter altercation between Red Eye and somebody at one of the events. And Red Eye's initial response was essentially denying a majority of the accusations. And then he ended up tweeting a couple days later something to the effect of following the attacks made on my character over the last few days, I've decided to walk away from esports. So that is the super summarized version of a lot of the events that have occurred. So I guess we'll start with me. Stop talking now, Nikki. <laughs> uh, maybe the first topic we should talk about is why did it take so long for some of this stuff to come out? Because when it comes to Red Eye and Toby, which, you know, Cinder and I can give some credence to some of this, there's been rumors for years. So what, why does it take so long for this stuff to get out? Um, it, it's scary. It's, it's scary to, for many reasons, I feel like, where it's scary to admit that it happened to you and you let it happen. Uh, it's scary to put it out there because you're going to get judged by everybody, you know, and it because, and you're going to get judged by if, especially if it's a personality by their fans, um, by your friends, your family, like, and there's a huge like fallout as well. You know, you risk what? If you're a part of the industry, you risk your position of your work, your friendships, your relationships here. Especially if what happened to you 
you know, regardless of how traumatizing it is in your experience, if it if other people deem it as that doesn't sound so bad or that or something that I heard a lot when I tried to, you know, talk to people about some of my experiences is, oh, that's just so and so being being, you know, being them. Like that don't worry about it. Like you they brush it off. So you start questioning, well, okay, maybe what happened to me wasn't that bad. Then you just minimize it and then you so why 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 come out why why continue like trying to do something about it and then you kind of just start you know you that's how the the girls like you whisper with each other and say hey you know just kind of be careful about them like i heard this happened to her or that happened to me so i just want you to watch out and so that's how we end up having to like look out for each other and then when somebody suddenly finally speaks up and says something you know then other people other women you know other victims or whatever like they feel a little more empowered to speak up and say, hey, it didn't just happen to them. It happened to me too. And theirs wasn't like, you know, like, like that's, that's one thing. And then this is like my thing. Like if you notice, like a lot of the times when news comes out, it's escalating where it starts off pretty small. And then it just like suddenly, well, well, you know, he tried to kiss me or, or he said something nasty. Well, he did that. But, and then you start seeing this pattern and it's always like the same you know, people with like this different, like different, uh, different stories about them. And then you're like, what the heck? So I think that's a big one. Um, honestly, like the, 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 the fact that if it like a lot of it is like, you know, pro players or, or at the time demon was a pro player and someone like Toby who, and even Grant where, where he was like, these are people that are beloved get hired constantly what can someone like me or someone like even someone like myself i feel like is in a position of privilege and i don't feel comfortable talking what about if you're just like someone who you know happened to be attending the event and you got to meet your favorite caster and then suddenly something like that happened what do you do there's there's so much power over over your decision of wanting to say something so you kind of just like drop it and minimize it you know I mean, something that something that happens quite a bit as well, right, with all the stuff that you said is that people try to, you know, it's such a long process to just deal with it on a personal level, just mm -hmm. what happened to you. And then there's the yeah. bigger perspective. And I guess what happens in a lot of cases is that people kind of compartmentalize it at some point where it's just like, okay, this, this happened to me, you kind of come to terms with it. And then you try to pack it away because if you if you keep thinking about it all the time, it just makes you miserable. Right. So um, that probably also contributes a lot, right? Because if you look oh. over the span of, let's say it takes like five to 10 years or whatever for some of this stuff to come out, a lot of the years is probably, you know, it's intense and, and comes and goes at times and then it kind of fades away again. And then some sort of memory or some sort of event can re-spark the memory right in you when it happens to other people or you hear right. something about somebody and you just try to pack it away because it makes you feel bad um, it, yeah it's i mean it's exactly that like i mean personally for myself i'm still you know struggling with my i, I don't know when i'll ever if i'll ever be ready to talk about it and i know i'm not the only one like you like these so stories seem like they're all that's like it's nothing i have so many messages from other women and friends and like you know girls that i've encountered through how many ti's that i've been to and then you hear them like you know say i know this already came out about this person i don't know if i want to talk about what happened to me 
and they say that they, you know, like it's been years and they're still angry. They're still fighting it. They're still struggling mm-hmm. with it. And they're, it's still causing depression for them. And do they want to open up the floodgates of people suddenly questioning what they're feeling and they're, what they're experiencing? And it's not, it's not something that a lot of, you know, people, men or women, is really strong enough to be able to handle that. You know, and it's, it's rough. Yeah, it feels like it gets to a certain point where, I mean, like you said, somebody comes out with a story and that gives you, I, I can't relate to this, honestly, because I don't know anything about it, but it gives you, I assume, courage to come forward yourself to give your story up. And I do agree that the percentage of people that are, let's say, in the Dota scene, again, I don't, I don't have evidence on literally anything, but the percentage of people that have come out uh, versus people that haven't, it's probably quite still very low percentage. Um, yeah. At least if the society, societal uh, per, like statistics tell us anything. I mean, anecdotally speaking for myself, just because we all talk, like the women mm. in Dota, we're as a group, you know, we all message each other. We all try to look out for each other. Yeah, not all of them have out, are out. Not all of them are comfortable of being out. Some of them are in positions that... They can't risk it. It's too risky for them because what are you, you know, do you risk your career? You risk, even now with all of this happening, that is still a very, very real and big risk for them. And it's kind of unfortunate that that's the case. I mean, me and Shannon always look like when we retire, we'll just write a book about everything and everyone. Can't wait. Holy shit. God. But <laughs> right now, <laughs> what do you do? How, like, you know, this is your life and yeah, it's it's definitely scary from a bunch yeah. of perspectives for sure. And I think if I, I don't know, I, I don't know how to wrap the, uh, how to wrap this up exactly. Um, I do want to give my two cents on both Toby and Red Eye, if that's okay, on things mm-hmm. that I knew about, quote unquote, or heard about, just to give perspective. Because I think there's one side of the, let's say the backlash. Even though I think it's the vocal minority that are having backlash on things of this nature, uh, they're very vocal. And I think part of it comes from the fact that they feel like they know, and we'll get to this probably topic a little bit later, but they feel like they know the personality really well, whereas apparently the people that worked with them did not know them <laughs> at all. I mean, there's a reason that people are turning on them immediately. It has nothing to do with themselves. It has to do with, oh, finally it's come out. So for uh, Toby specifically, and this is my story. Again, I first met him. Um, it was between TI1 and TI2. We had a Skype meeting. He was at Join Dota. I remember we had the webcam set up. I don't remember why we were meeting. Dota Cinema was just taking off, so it was like really cool to talk to somebody that was higher up in the scene. Um, it was me, Toby, and Neil. And I remember during the call, I literally think of this every single time I've ever worked with Toby or... So like even somebody brought him up, this story always comes up in my head, even though it's not that big of a deal in and of itself. Uh, it just always stuck with me because I, I feel like I'm a very principled person in nature. I feel like I'm a decent judge of character. But I remember we were just talking. We didn't really know each other. And like within five minutes, he started bragging about how he'd had sex with somebody in the scene. Um and I'm like, why, why is like I'm thinking to myself, why is he talking? He's like bragging about it. He just kept going on and on. I'm like, God, this is like it rubbed me in such a wrong way that I won't lie. I was pretty biased about it for the last how long, how long has it been? It's like nine years. But 
it gets reinforced with every rumor you hear about him, which there are so many rumors. Of course, you don't know what's real. You don't have the evidence yourself until people come out. Like I've heard of a couple ones that are really bad that just haven't come out or they're not real. I'm not sure. But the ones that have come out are bad enough to end a career and as they should. And then when it comes to Red Eye, I only worked with him a couple times. I personally didn't have any issues, but I did hear rumors about him beating the shit out of somebody at a past event, how he's very hard to work with. Um, so again, like this information coming out, it's not like I'm like, holy shit, I can't believe they, like this is true. It's more, wow, it's about fucking time that some of this comes to light, you know? But I don't yeah, know if that's just and, my perspective. Yeah, and I also think like if you, if the listeners try to put themselves in your shoes on something like this, like you can have a feeling that something is going on or you can have an idea that based on these rumors, you're like make your own idea up in your mind but you can't come forward and accuse stuff and say i've heard a lot of rumors because if they're not true you're committing character suicide and you're kind of defaming the other person so mm. like from a professional perspective it makes no sense and from like a personal perspective as well it's it's like it's really hard accusations to make based on rumors right that's why a lot of the people that have like a feeling or or think something you're kind of at the mercy of people coming forward. And I think what's really important is that instead of like blaming people when they finally tell their stories after so many years and being like, oh, why didn't you just say it earlier? Everything could have been so different. It's really important to try to be understanding of how difficult it is and how big of a step it actually is to do it rather than the fact that it took so long. Because like you see this in a lot of things. I think this, there's a pretty good parallel to draw here to, um, to Hollywood as well, right? I don't know, Nikki, if that's something you can relate to since you had some agency going on there as well. But all of the stuff in Hollywood also took many years before yeah. those people got outed. And it's it's basically the exact same story, right? Just in a much bigger industry with yeah, much bigger names. People lost their jobs or didn't get hired just because of the fact that they were deemed difficult and because they chose to speak out or fight against what was going on. Mm -hmm. you know and i mean even like with the scientology stuff like no that that's like the, the loudest whisper in that industry right there you know <laughs> it's <laughs> it's like a whole other beast but that's kind of and i know we're going to talk about it next is like it's it's a power dynamic thing like when people are in positions of power which is you know using like red eye and toby are it, or were in positions of power over these people, not just with the people that they, you know, that they interacted with in a very negative way, uh, but even their coworkers and their peers and friends. If like if Shannon, like if you hear something like that, like sure you could say people could say, oh, why didn't you try and find out more? Why didn't you go the extra step of doing something like this? Mm. And then you say, well, what what are you supposed to do? Who are you supposed to report it? Like, do I so am I going to write an email to Valve and say, hey, Valve, this is what I heard, and or this is what this you know this you know girl is saying, or this girl like as a girl like, hey, Valve, this is what happened to me. Can you do something? I'm like, no. what are you going to do? I, it, there's very little course of action when it comes to stuff like that, and. Like even if I tell a tournament organizer this, they're gonna say, "Well, we can't really, you know, 
we, we can't really risk not hiring one of the, if not the most popular caster or host for our event that's going to be bringing in viewers. And if you want to get hired for an event, which is, I think, the biggest problem or the biggest issue is the red eye situation. And that's power dynamics between men. So it's not just a man-woman thing. It's even between men that I can't speak up because I want to get hired for the next event. And it's it's a scary thing to have to, like, deal with. And it's, you know, it's not just not just women experience it. Men experience it just in a different way. So, well, what are you guys' thoughts on in terms of the power dynamic, the the red eye situation, where, according to James, he essentially prevented him from getting hired at any events and just purposely tried to ruin his career. Um, again, red eye came out and basically said some of this stuff is not true, but the fact that he, I mean, I don't want to speculate, but we're going to in this one specifically, or at least I am. The fact that he left the scene the way he did speaks to me that there's something more there. That's mm-hmm. I thought that was very weird that he would just leave like that. Um, but that's a whole nother discussion itself. So in terms of the power dynamics between, let's just talk about the the, the red eye situation. What are mm-hmm. you guys what are you guys' thoughts on what happened with him? I mean, first of all, from my perspective, I kind of had the same experience with him as as you've talked about, right? Like, I haven't had problems with him. Uh, he's been good to me at events. We've worked very well together. I've always thought of him as very professional. Uh, I think there was one or two events I was at where he got visibly very angry and upset with production. Um, but in his own words, which he also wrote in the statement, uh, he knows that he can be hard to work with and be difficult, and but he always does it in the interest of a good show, right? Like, and that's kind of the read that I had on him as well. Is like he's really professional. So if he, in his opinion, people aren't doing their work properly or aren't trying hard enough to make a good product, he he gets upset because he's very serious about making a, a good product. And you know that's a trait that a lot of people will have in whatever they do that they're very like not necessarily perfectionist, but have very high standards. Uh, and that can be a good and a bad thing. But what I had not heard of or experienced in any way is any sort of physical abuse or any sort of, like, there's a, there's a step between yelling at people for being, like, you know, unsatisfied with work and for the stuff that he has been accused of from James, right? Like, mm. it, you can imagine a high-pressure situation in a production like that, that things can get a bit heated. Stuff like that happens in all sorts of industries and stuff. And, you know, peace be with that. It's not great that people get angry with each other, but that's a human thing. People have emotions and they get angry sometimes. But, you know, you, you should have, like, this switch that you don't flick where you go into berserk mode, right? Um, and, yeah, so I I never personally experienced any of that. But, obviously, the reports are there. Um, there was something you didn't mention. There was one of the the guy who actually got, got physically punched. assaulted yeah. uh, came out and talked about it. So he also, um, yeah, so he really basically weird. came forward. He was working at the event <clears throat> at the time where it happened. It's um, really weird to deny that happened. And then somebody comes out and says, it, it did. I can back him yeah. up. Isn't that weird? That's so yeah. weird. I, I, I don't know, man. <laughs> He's a, it's it's just another example. So I guess this is a little bit off track. It's another example of where, you know, we hear stuff, right? Like, or you experience, okay, red eye can be angry, but you don't, like, how many people would I have to 
just judge completely based on that. Like if somebody I knew got angry, do I need to now assume that they're physically abusing other people? Like, of course, you're not going to intuitively think that about other people. So it's not like a red flag for me that somebody is upset if things aren't going well. It's, you know, it's a character trait. And some people are like that without going further than that. Right. So just mm -hmm. want to make that clear that, you know, that there's probably other examples in esports and in our own experiences where somebody has been angry, but that was that. Like they had a bad day or something shit happened to them. You know, it happens. But yeah, about the whole thing, I'm not really I'm not really sure what to say. Like what what's the motivation to begin with? Like what is the motivation for shutting somebody down so hard? Uh is there something that hasn't been told? Because like Maybe it's just a power move saying if you know you you make it you made it difficult for me well guess what i'm more powerful i can make it difficult for you yeah but yeah, was there if anything you in heads the... with him hmm? i don't think in any of the stories that were told from both banks and red eye that no, we got I an explanation of how banks yeah. made it hard for red eye though so it doesn't yeah. really seem like there's a motivation for vendetta right at least not that i could think of or see hmm. um but uh, it's just... Well, I suppose I can look at it like if we kind of circle back to the Grand Llama situation, mm -hmm. where you can't, you people butt heads, and if sometimes when you're in a certain position or if you have the capability or the platform and you don't like someone, you say, "Hey, I don't like you, and I'm gonna, you know, I'm gonna make it difficult for you and mm -hmm. say all of these things about you." That this is, I don't know if that answers the why necessarily, no. but no, I get what you mean though. But it's definitely something like, and maybe that's the power. That's the power. The power part part of the power dynamics where you know, with great power comes great responsibility. Oh, great! Sometimes. A Spider-Man quote. You Thank kinda... you. Uh, <laughs> well, what about the? This one makes me a little uncomfortable to talk about, just because I, I feel like I'm. I know a lot of men feel this way as well, where they don't want to say the wrong thing. The, the Zayori Ashni Christ thing. Let's talk about the power dynamics there. Mm. Um, so the things from that story, from both sides of the story, that I totally understand. Like from Zayori's side, I think the picture that he took was weird. And the fact that he wanted to lie about having sex to begin with, I thought that was weird. And I actually remember this. Now that after he mentioned, I'm like, oh, I remember him actually telling me that. Not that he lied, that he had done it. Uh, so mm -hmm. that was definitely weird. But uh and this is where I get a little uncomfortable. <laughs> so bear with me. Uh because Nick and I've had a lot of discussions about this. But the Ashney Christ side of the story, I I think the reason that makes me so uncomfortable is because I can understand all of it until the end of the post. She says, I didn't know rape could be so subtle, which implies very heavily that this was rape indeed. And that really bothers me. Um, and I think a lot of people kind of have the same reaction. It, I think at first, yeah. for me, it nullified everything. I'm like, ah, blah, 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 blah. You know, I had my reactions. But now I'm looking back, I'm like, if I just ignore that part, I can totally understand her perspective. And I don't really think that either side were necessarily doing anything malicious. It was just like bad communication, whatever you want to call it. But that word kind of sullied it to a degree at first for me. And that's often that's what happens in all, all sorts of cases is that, and that's like you said, that's why you need to be so careful with what you say and how you say it is that 
I actually think that that story was really important and a really good example and a really good learning experience for both of them and something that the entire community and the talent can learn from. But if there's this one little thing, then that, I mean, I'm not, okay, not one little thing, but it was just one sentence, right? In the grand scheme of the whole mm-hmm. post, it was just one line. But if there's this one line that is misdirecting or causes, you know, outrage, then it takes so much away from the rest of the post. And that's a shame. Because like you said, people will gravitate towards that and point it out. And I think, I mean, rightfully so, if you throw around rape as a term, if it's not, or I mean, I'm sure we'll get Nikki's perspective on this too, if, if she, what she thinks about like the use of that word in this situation and in general, um, people will focus on that because, you know, that is the big word in this whole instance. There's a lot of things going on, but that is the biggest word that gets dropped. Um, and I'm sure this also lingers or like goes back to the whole thing with coming out late, etc. is that it's a big accusation to make when you throw that in there. So right. you got to be really, yeah, go on. Oh, no, I, I mean, I know Ashney has, you know, said something about wishing she didn't use the word or wanting to like remove that state, the you know, that part from her thing, because it really does muddy up her message or or mm-hmm. what she was trying to convey and something that is actually very real which is kind of why a lot of men and women st- are so polarized when it comes to that particular case is so many women experience something like that and especially when there's a seen pattern of that behavior you know where Everybody was like, everyone's like, like, who, who the heck is that? You're like, why is Zayori considered like a power player in the scene? I'm like, come on. When when you're a, when you're literally someone who is this is your you know your first event or you're trying to do you're trying to do something, anybody I I believe that summit was either my first or my second event as well outside of anything to cinema. And everybody and their mother over there that I didn't know that was not hired at the same time as me. If they worked for BTS, I was like, oh my God, you guys are you guys are so awesome. Like, you know, I didn't know like, oh, you, you they hired you to do the driving. Like, oh my gosh, you work for BTS. That's so cool. You know, I have no idea what the hierarchy or what the rank was. And then you get put into that situation of would doing this or would, would doing this action or saying that I slept with someone put me in good graces with this person so that I can get another event. I And we can say, man, how how terrible of a person, how, you know, what a social climber you are, what a this, what a that. And I would like to get into that with power dynamics when you're a woman, because it's even like, it's so much more difficult to have to deal with and navigate that space. Because... So many people say, like, as a woman, you have you have sex as some as a tool or as a weapon, and but majority of the time, it doesn't feel like that. It feels like it's get you it gets used against us more often than not. Where mm-hmm. men who use it are seen as something as 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 you know as a player. It's always something positive, like you know they're they're spreading their seed, they're testing the waters. Like they can get all of these women. And the, the, the quote that I hate the most, oh, you know, the master key can open. So, but a broken, but a lock that can be opened by so many keys. I'm like, that's a terrible, I mean, it's-, it's I've it's never a, heard that before. It's it's a very interesting analogy, but I'm sorry, like, 
my my downstairs is not a freaking lock, you know. <laughs> like I should be able to decide who I want in and out of that, if that makes sense. Oh boy. But mm. <laughs> <laughs> OD Pixel by the sound. <laughs> Anyway, um, but I think that's kind of why so many women can relate to or can sympathize with what she went through. Because there's so many questions that a lot of people don't ask and, and gloss over because of that specific word. Something that Shannon and I kind of go back and forth with is we actually don't know what happened in that room, how it was done that she felt pressured and he didn't think he pressured her mm. to have those, yeah, that, that's you know, probably the biggest that detail that we don't taken. have. And that's the biggest yeah. one. And, and to me, that's a very important thing because, uh, and, and I think for all of them, because they get put in that situation so many times is what kind of pressure was put on you? And it's something very relatable and very real. You know? Yeah. So. Yeah, and, no, I, I agree. Uh, yeah. I think it it was just the one word that really... I mean, for every guy, it's a scary word, you know, very yeah. scary. Uh, and and, I'll and get especially, into that especially the way it sounded like uh, from Zayori's statements that he made, the video statements that he made. Like, it's it's a very big word to get uh, to get called out for. If you, from your perspective, right? This is again the power dynamics. People, I think it's important to separate power dynamics where people use them deliberately. And some mm-hmm. don't, right? Let, based on Zayori's statement, we're not going to go into way more detail about this because we've talked about it a lot already. And there's a lot of other stuff you guys can read or uh, or listen to about it. But um, like, I think that was the important thing that Shannon pointed out is that from both people and after they've talked and everything has gone over, uh, there was no malice involved from either of them. That's what they've both, I, I believe, correct me if I'm wrong, I believe they've come to terms with it, both of them. They're like... Mm-hmm on the same page about what happened and why it's bad and why it needs to be avoided. Uh, but there was no malice. Right. Um, And if you feel like you did nothing malicious and you were just, you know, you were looking to find someone to hang out with, you had a completely different read on the situation and you get called out on rape for that, that hits hard. Right. Again, that's, and now see, now we're talking about that again, even though it was just the last line, but it hits so hard. Like that's, you you got to be on both sides of the coin here. you got to be really careful with the language used that both the people accusing and the people getting accused use the right terminology because it's, you know, it's, it's a pretty big deal. Um, what, what, what do you call out people for? Uh, mm-hmm. And also in how they, how you, they end up responding to you. Right. Um, yeah. I feel like, yeah, there's so much to learn from that one example and yeah, just wanted to put that out. Well, let, let's talk about, um, and we've seen a lot of opposing viewpoints from yep. different cultures and whatnot. Nikki, you want to talk about that a little bit? Get the ball uh, rolling? Yeah, yeah. So um, I think, okay, let me start off. I'm going to be, with this one, I try to do as much free shirts that I can. Uh, you know, if anybody's interested in looking up some of the sources for any of the statistics that I'm going to be bringing up, you know, uh, you could try uh, RAIN, which is the Rape, Abuse, and Incest National Network. Uh, World Health Organization has released, you know, a lot of like uh, data on this as well. Um, the Women's Statistics uh, Organization like has a, a lot of very, uh, a lot of maps. <laughs> 
visual aids for people to see a lot of these data uh, surveys that are done. Um, but I know this is something that Sindarin, I think, would you know could, mm. could kind of start off on with the cultural differences based on some of the responses that people have been getting, on, yeah. like on on the movement. Yeah. So this is obviously this is just how to say um, this is anecdotal because I don't have like massive statistics or anything like mm -hmm. that. But you can obviously contribute with that. But from our from my perspective, a lot of the stuff that I have been receiving and uh, that I have seen others receive on on the end of these accusations. Something that stood out to me, I just, I was curious, right? I, I don't know if, <laughs> I'm not sure, I'm not sure how other people do something like this. Like if there's somebody I really disagree with, right? Or somebody that fundamentally has a completely different worldview or a different viewpoint. I know a lot of people will just block them or stop talking to them entirely. Uh, I have a guy who I used to study with, for example, on Facebook, who has a very different worldview and a very different different political stance than I do. And I still read his posts because I find, you know, it teaches me something about the world uh, and about how other people are. So the parallel I'm going to draw here is that a lot of the abuse that got thrown at me and others, you know, a lot of people will just be like, okay, it's abuse, I'll block it. But I actually spent time looking at trying to see, okay, who are the people that throw mm -hmm. this shit around? Like, uh, and I don't know if I should do that because it kind of, you know, burns you out that little bit extra because you're kind of digging deeper into that hole. Uh, but I, I don't know if I should call it some sort of morbid curiosity or whatever. I'm just trying to learn something about it. And something that I found is that there was a very clear trend that a lot of the people that threw around slurs or uh, took the sides of the accused, there was a very clear majority of CIS and Asian responses, which I found really interesting because I was like, I was trying to think of it in a bigger perspective. If it was just like an anomaly and it was, you know, just this case that it was, it was that way. But then I thought no matter whether it's an anomaly or not, I feel like this is something that didn't get brought up in the discussion at all, where when we talk about these cases, it's kind of like the internet is just thought of as one unit, right? It's like either this is good or this is bad and people have opinions, but I think this part of it gets lost a lot along the way that people come from very different backgrounds, from cultures that have very different views on women or on relationships or on sex, on marriage, all these kind of things. And you throw them into a melting pot together and now they all need to attack this case and solve it together. Or, well, they don't need to solve it, but, you know, they have opinions and they're very different. And if you don't take that into account at all and you look at it, it's kind of like this minority versus majority thing where it's kind of difficult to gauge uh, where things really stand. Um, and I, I found that interesting to, to see that. Um, and I, I think that's going to be a difficult one to crack, right? Like if the community, quote unquote, makes a verdict, let's say that mm -hmm. on a case of how we should do going forward with this. I think the way people respond will just always be different right like even if the consensus is that something someone should be shunned or they shouldn't it should be redeemed uh the right. viewpoints will definitely differ from country to country um and I, I haven't heard anybody talk about this in this discussion which surprises me a little bit uh, that nobody brought that up yeah uh so to kind of go into the whole i mean one you know the idea of do it's a do it's Dota. Dota mm -hmm. will have a predominant audience in 
at least on, on our platforms, remove China from this, mm -hmm. SEA and the CIS region will have the most dominating like fan base followers. So a lot of our a lot of our audience are from those regions. And when when you brought that, I also noticed the same thing. And so I had to kind of like do some research, a little research on it. And then if like if people weren't aware, I grew up in the Philippines. I was born there. I lived there for a very long time until I moved here to the United States. And at least I can easily speak for the Philippines in context of the SEA region and how it works over there. Philippines in particular, where Dota is so big and it's a predominantly Catholic country, like mm -hmm. Roman Catholic you know, very conservative. I mean, it's making a lot of progress and all of that stuff. So I looked up some of the numbers. Uh, when you look at the percentage of, uh, of of rape and sexual harassment cases that get reported per country, uh, with, I believe the U.S. is sitting at 27%, and that's still considered grossly underreported. The Philippines and then Russia and the CIS region has about like 6% for the Philippines, 3.4 for Russia. And you're like, man, that is so low. It's like, it's like no one's raping women over there, you know? But you start digging a little deeper, which I did because I'm like, man, that's a very interesting statistics with, with the numbers like skyrocketing when you go to, you know, uh, to like countries in Africa and all that stuff. And even like in, in some parts of the Middle East. But I, I was doing my research and I was like pulling up articles and then just kind of going back to what my experiences were when I lived there and how women are seen and how women are perceived. And then you look at other numbers, domestic violence abuse, exponentially high for both countries and or just for both regions, CIS and SEA domestic violence, very high. And that even includes uh, uh, violence and sexual assault when you're in a married, in a marital relationship. And it's high, and, and very high spousal abuse, uh, I believe, trafficking women trafficking in, in particular also very rampant in that region so you kind of start seeing this trend of women are just not seen in a good in a good way mm -hmm. you know for 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 the, for the culture to want to defend or stand up or put up uh, you know barriers or protections for them right. that doesn't exist in that re in, in i mean it, it does but it's very minimal i believe i also looked up uh barriers to reporting what what causes this incidents and i know in the philippines uh, this is something that i remember growing up we had the term comfort women for women that were either you know that either prostituted themselves or were raped during World War II, by the invaders, which was countries from like Japan and like and you know and 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 whatnot, they were raped, and some of them have gotten pregnant, and it's so weird because they, it's very public knowledge that they're victims and their kids, that you know, born from that terrible situation, and yet they are seen as tainted they're not seen as someone that's good it's like it's 30 you were touched it's mm -hmm. it's a very weird cultural thing to see like you should have protected yourself mm -hmm. 
so that that didn't happen. It's still very victim blaming as a society. Domestic right. violence in the Philippines is still very prevalent and doesn't even often get reported because, uh, and I know I, I looked this up as well for Russia, where the cultural barriers to reporting anything is so huge. And it includes, because it includes physical punishment for the person who's reporting it, exile from family. And sometimes you even get killed for speaking up. So why would you even bother here? You know, it's already, I feel like it's already really bad that like, if I try to say something that I will be ostracized or whatever, but over there, you actually could legitimately get killed. And that bear, you know, that, that situation, because I was like looking at, I believe when the Russian talent and Russian casters were speaking up about all of this, you kind of like, man, that's kind of a opposite take of what I thought that they would do. Same thing, even with like the women talent, but I kind of put myself in my in their situation where if things are so bad over there for a lot of women that they're in that position that it might not even be the best situation when you're in another country or in another like in, in a much better world maybe you already think that's what's good and you don't even know any better at that point because the your 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 you know barometer is just so skewed the other way Mm-hmm. Right. And and it's it's kind of sad and disappointing. But that's, I think, why it, a lot of that region just don't see. Don't can't empathize with right. with the women when when they come out like that, because for them, it's you don't see it on television. You don't ever hear about it. You know, you know like freaking in the Philippines, we make movies. We make movies out of rape cases like that gets shown in theaters, you know, the case, like this case and that case, this massacre case, this, this rape case of this lady, it's, it's, it's nuts. And I, I mean, I'm hoping it's better, but that's what I grew up with. And I can't, mm-hmm. you know, it's, so it doesn't surprise me so that that's the kind of train of thought that a lot of I, men have. I probably can't contribute that much to the discussion other than I did mm-hmm. live in the Middle East and I don't yeah. know how much it's changed, but when I was there, it was, very bad for women specifically um heard stories of well they called it adultery right when a woman uh sleeps with another man but in some cases it's just plain rape and you know that they get stoned to death for getting raped like it's it's as bad as it gets um not sure if that's improved at all but yeah so a lot of the comments from twitter uh reddit not as much on Reddit, I feel like, or to that extreme. It's no, mostly... Reddit's very Western skewed as far as like it's, yeah. you know, NA and uh, so Europe. Facebook is probably yeah. the worst, I would assume. I just, going off on a limb here, uh, <laughs> Facebook is probably the worst. I don't know. I don't look at my Facebook because yeah, of how terrible exactly. it, like, the messages that, I get there Every are. death threat that I've gotten has been on Facebook, if that means anything to anybody. <laughs> so, uh, okay. so, okay, so that's the cultural differences. Let's talk a little bit about, and I kind of referenced it earlier, the... Yeah hero worship let's call it where uh people that don't actually know like let's just talk about the talent like grant or toby people that don't actually know them at all other than their online personas are Mm -hmm. trying to discredit what happened even though everybody in the scene is basically saying yeah i believe it like how Mm -hmm. does that happen anybody Okay, well, I'll basically. Cassandra can, can go first. Yeah, I'll just I'll read out the tweet that we. Uh, yeah. There's there's a tweet that's really good at kind of breaking this down. So I'll just read the three of them. This is about the case with Fed that we mentioned earlier. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, so Fed wrote uh, he will start off the week by apologizing for his absence and he will make a... Uh, okay, I'll just read them out literally. I want to start off this statement by apologizing for my absence the past few days. Earlier this week, some of my friends sat me down and expressed that I had on several occasions made them feel uncomfortable and une or uneasy. And then there's a response from a fan. Fed, I know you're a good person. I am both shocked and disappointed that this happened. I hope that leaving OTV and taking time off will help you grow as a person. Stay real, Fed. And then there's a response from this... Uh, it's a commentator, I believe, in League of Legends, uh, from what I can see. LS, I don't know him personally, but his response was just really blunt to this. He writes, what the fuck do you mean? I know you're a good person. You don't fucking know him at all. That's the whole point. You know an idea that is presented to you via the form of clips, stream persona, and other things. This is one of many parts of the whole movement. People aren't who you think. Uh, and I think this is a really powerful message. Uh, I mean, the... The language obviously part of it he sounds pretty you know furious uh, about it but this is something that happens in every aspect of where people are fans right that fandom can go to the level of you know almost fanaticism right where it's like you, you just refuse to believe that this person that you look up to can do any wrong uh you like paint this picture in your mind where you're predetermined that they are i don't know if you want to say perfect but they are uh without without flaw right uh, you see a lot of that in politics, especially right now in the U.S. There's definitely something with that, right? Uh, you see it with movie stars, with celebrities, with with athletes, um, where the fans are just... You're unable or unwilling to accept the fact that it's actually another person and that per people are not all flawless and they're not how you think they are. Um, and that is that's really what's transferring here as well, right? To into gaming, in my opinion, uh, also based on this tweet, right? That people, you you only see what you see, right? And you your access to a person as a fan is extremely limited. And I think coming to terms with that and understanding that is really important. That uh, that people don't get to this point where they where they start defending or treating somebody like a friend when they don't know them. It's like maybe this is a weird tangent but imagine you go to an event and somebody comes over to you and they're they like stalking start talking to you like you are like you you've been friends for 10 years right because they've Happens watched your stream yeah. or seen you cast cast it's like yep. i don't know you like that's really uncomfortable that's a different like that's a different scale and a different issue entirely but it, it's it comes back to the same thing that people get this like pseudo relationship with you from watching you so much but you have you know nothing about them and they know very little about you but they treat it like you've been friends for a very long time that's that's this whole this whole thing and yeah now go ahead nikki with what you want to say. no I, it it's it's absolutely correct if anything i will kind of go ahead of it's it's not just it's not just you know not knowing a lot about the person but the a lot of these personalities what they tweet out, what they post on their social media is curated specifically to make you want to like them. It's specifically targeting that particular audience. You know, we may not necessarily be on that end, but I've done a lot of PR work and, and mm -hmm. marketing work. And, you know, the, one of the movies that we watched yes, like uh, yesterday where 
a politician is sitting down and saying, well, they think that you look a certain way and they really like it. They don't like how you, you know, you wave your hands, you know, stuff like that. That's a very real thing. I've sat down in a lot of PR meetings and it's insane that all of the things that like they kind of talk about. Oh, people don't like you when you wear this collared dress, so you should stop wearing it. So your stylist will now make notes of that. It's all curated for the audience. And I feel like because because you succeed when you're able to make that connection. We 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 hawk that at, to to our influencers and to our talent and all that. You make if you make that connection with the fan and they're a fan for life, they will always buy your stuff. They will always, mm-hmm. you know, watch your movies and and buy your albums or whatever it is. But that also means that I guess they will also always defend you even if you were convicted right. of something. And and that's kind of an, the unfortunate side effect of it. Uh, you know, if I suppose if you were the, the accused, you kind of like the idea that you have all these people defending you, but... It's not it's an unfortunate off, thing. Yeah, go ahead. Not to go off on a tangent, although you guys kind of brought it up. The fact that mm-hmm. as a personality, the stuff you're tweeting, it's almost like you're a company, right? Yeah. Where you should be. You kind of have to I'm, treat yourself like I, one. Cinder is also this way. Me and Cinder are very bad at doing anything with Twitter or any <laughs> social media. Oh, me media. too. Yeah. Uh, but for me personally, this is just a personal thing. If, like, obviously we got robbed. At one point, we had some bad stuff happen to us. And then if I have something good happen to me, I take everything that is posted publicly, like in terms of personalities, for example, or people that I know in the scene, with a grain of salt if it's on social media. It means about one million times more if they message me personally. That's why if I feel like I need to reach out to somebody and say, hey, good job, or um, I'm very sorry this happened to you, it's always private. I almost never post about it because it means almost nothing when it's on social media. It's it's literally, it could be completely fake. You don't know what somebody's tweeting if they actually feel that way, you know? But that's a little bit of a tangent. I, I agree with you. I mean, you know my hangups on this. I have very, very personal frustrations with a lot of that because some of the people that were tweeting out support are people that I feel, at least behind the scenes, were not very supportive. Mm-hmm. To, you know, to say the least and we know i know so i see you but yeah i i, I guess i'm just hoping that it wasn't just for pr and likes but yeah this is where we are right now you know and it's it's unfortunate <laughs> so but. what about and this is another topic of a discussion mm-hmm. uh that has been brought up very many times especially on reddit uh the whole cancel culture thing where mm-hmm. How do I talk to a woman if I if I can't do this? Then how am I even supposed to interact with the woman? Um, or that you're innocent until proven guilty? I mean, for that I would say this isn't really a court of law. This is if the scene, like the people that are the backbone of the scene, let's just say the casters, the tournament organizers, if they believe it and they don't want to work with somebody, that's their decision. That has nothing to do with the right. court of action at all. So talk to me about cancel culture and anything relating to that topic. Uh, I'd like to I'd like to quickly just uh, talk about the court thing because I think mm-hmm. this is a really important thing and again something that I've seen with a lot of the responses on social media for people in in these cases with accusations is that there are a lot of people holding on to well if what they did was wrong take them to court right and you will expand on this soon Nikki I'm sure with the with the yeah we'll get to that but 
um, just from from the perspective of seeing this, um, I think there's there was a really good post that I read on Reddit um, where a lawyer basically explains why this is not a court situation. Like it doesn't it doesn't really make sense to to use the court as the golden standard for what is happening here. Um, this is basically so. There's been people saying that oh, like. Reddit killed this person's career or Reddit canceled X or the talent canceled X or the fans did this, the fans did that or whatever, or this person did it. I'm not sure if I can make a good analogy here. So let's say the talent are working with each other, right? We are working as a team doing these events and putting on a product. And if, if something comes forward about this talent and we like internally talk about it and and see what's going on. We have every right to refuse to work with someone. You have that at your workplace too. Like if somebody does something shitty at their job, they will get fired. That doesn't mean they get taken to court necessarily, right? Like it's, it's a weird parallel to draw that everything wrong should go to court when, I don't know, maybe I'm explaining this poorly. Um, it's like from 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 the perspective of of talent or players or whatnot, um, when Can when these use events a Dota get... game analogy, <laughs> <laughs> where you do something Dota. bad in Dota, you get banned. Hopefully, yeah, uh, it takes a while. Yeah, maybe I'm explaining this a little bit poorly. I I think no, my I think my my fine. primary gripe with this is that, and again, it comes a lot from I want to. I want to say it's a lot of the, the, it ties in a bit with the hero worship and idol worship. There's like a clear overlap where, well, okay, if my hero is wrong, then prove it in court. You know, the, you want this ultimate definitive legal system proof uh, that the person that you're a fan of did something wrong and you will take nothing less, even if right. the talent altogether shun this person because of everything they've heard and experienced and stuff that they have access to that you don't as a fan because not everything gets posted publicly for everybody to consume uh you still don't trust it because it's not through the court of law and this this is where i think we can make a really good transition because you wrote in a tweet here nikki about it Mm -hmm. Uh, do you want to read it out or should i just read it out oh you can go ahead uh so this is a this is a tweet from a couple of weeks ago um where the in quotation marks, if you get sexually assaulted slash raped, why wouldn't you tell the police? And then there's a thread of quotes said by real judges in court during rape trials below, and she's referring to some of them. So I'll just handpick, I'll just take the three top ones that she posted. As the gentleman on the jury will understand, when a woman says no, she doesn't always mean it. Men can't turn their emotions on and off like a tap like some women can. This was said by Judge Raymond Dean addressing the jury in a rape trial. Next one. I hope you'll be able to keep your well-paid job and the couple of weeks you spend in prison will be treated by employers as part of your holidays. Judge Gabriel Hutton speaking to a guilty rapist. And then one more. It seems on the evidence that this child has not suffered as a result of these offenses. Judge Hutton talking about an eight-year-old girl who had been sexually abused for a year by a convicted child molester. If this is how the court handles these things... I'd be really interested to know what states those are from. How are and you what's scary to... is that these are a lot of these are not, you know some people were like oh those are probably from like fifty years ago some of those tweets date as late as like two thousand eighteen two thousand nineteen. 
And it's from the U.S., right? These cases. I think. Some of them are, so most of them are U.S., and then some of them, I believe it states if it was from a different country. It right. does say. Okay. Yeah. So it's like, yeah, okay, well, how do you take this to court? You have allegations that are X years old. You have no videotape proving that it happened. So all you have is the statements, and you have these, in some cases, some of the accused have admitted stuff and just, mm -hmm. you know, left. But in the cases that it doesn't happen or whatnot, like even when they leave, a lot of the fan base still paints them as heroes that they got bullied out. They did nothing wrong, but the pressure of the fans was too big was too big on them. Like they were it was just decided, let's cancel this person. Like if somebody yeah. posts sexual misconduct allegations against me, I'm gonna instantly deny everything because I didn't fucking do anything. Like why is that not the response from these people if they did nothing? Like why is there all this pussyfooting around and being like, yeah, and blah, blah, blah. Like, if people post false allegations against me, I know I've done nothing. So there's nothing there. Like, that's what I, I don't understand this, like, perspective that a lot of people have that, well, the reason they're not denying everything is that they're getting pressured by the fans to have this in this standpoint and the fans are canceling them. Like, is, does this logically make sense to any of you? That no. if, if all these allegations are false, if like, if career... somebody accused you, Shannon, right? Right. Let's say somebody randomly accused you out of nowhere. That's what people are saying to me. They're like, oh, I hope you're not the next guy to get canceled from this because people could just post allegations for you and you're fucked. You know, like the perspective is completely different. Right. Nobody in the scene will agree to any of it because I've done nothing. There's nothing shady against me at all from anyone in the scene. I got you, Cinderin. Don't worry. Like, so like, why, why is this mindset a thing? I, I just, have no idea. It's, it's actually, it's kind of making me shake. Like, I don't. It's so unreasonable and so illogical. I just, I just fucking hate it, you know? Like, it's so absurd. It's so absurd to me. Like, how yeah. can people think like that? I don't understand. I mean... Like, am, I, am I wrong here? Like, is there... No, like, I mean, like, it's a... Uh, <sighs> I want to hope it's just a lack of education and information, misinformation that's being put out there, or... I think there's also a big fear in play, right? Where that's the biggest take that I've seen. And same thing with my conversations with Shannon. And I get it that, man, a woman can just say something and then I'm done. But that's there's a lot really of... not how it works. Right. So the thing that people like kind of gloss over is if you look at the information or the people that we've listed here... It's not just one incident, it's multiple. There's a pattern. And there's, you know, how do you say the word corroborating evidence, mm -hmm. stories that match up, people that vouch for it. Just because social media does not share those proofs, other people have shared the proofs internally or have seen it themselves and have backed other people up that should speak volumes for you know for the audience but sometimes it's just not enough and that's the unfortunate side, side effect of the hero worship that currently exists in you know in in this platform or on the internet or just in general in society but i, I want to kind of address bringing in numbers and using a like an actual ex, like some examples that's been happening right now because i think it's not in our scene in the smash scene uh jisu <coughs> her case against zero 
Drink some water, <laughs> woman, for God's sake. <coughs> I inhaled air. Oh, okay. that's oh. what you're Good supposed usually. to do to be able mm -mm. to breathe. Wrong hole. Okay. <laughs> Sorry. No but yeah, I thought I thought like her her case was or her call out was very interesting because of how it escalated and how and the response back where some people like it got to the point that the idea right now is a man. You know, she posted screenshots not even in order to kind of throw him off and get him to admit to things or say things that is definitely a I mean, she has literally a manifesto because it was like 60 something pages. You know, people are doing twit longers in Dota. In the Smash community, they are dropping Google Docs on this. Yeah, I saw and, some of those. And it is, it's, it's insane to see the transition of the fan base, especially of Zero's fan base, where they called her the nastiest names and say, you're lying, you're lying. And Zero says something that's like, well, okay, there might be some truth. And then she posts a little more stuff. And they're like, there's no effing way. And she's like, all right, time to drop the hammer. And then you read this manifesto and you see everything that her and all of these other women had to go through. And for them to be comfortable enough to even put that out there, because I addressed from the start, that's scary. You're putting out there all of these decisions that you could, you know, that you did or didn't do, the things that you should or shouldn't have done. But they were 14, 15 years old at the time. And it's messed up. And then you ask yourself, well, why didn't any of this go to court? So let me throw in some numbers first, and then I'm going to talk about what she did. Where So right now, we have the 91% of rape cases go unreported in the United States. And it's a very similar or sometimes higher number, as I brought up, in other countries. So out of the 91%, that means only 9% are getting reported. Out of that 9%, only 3% of of the of the of of people that commit rape or sexual harassment face jail time any sort of jail time so going back to that 9% cuz everybody's so scared i'm so like like i have to attack this because i don't want this to happen to me it seems to be a song that a lot of men seem to sing you know i have to question it because it can happen to me if people are or if people if men are so scared of being falsely accused they have numbers for that. Out of the 9% of cases that got reported, only 5% of them are found to be false. So these are like a lot of weird numbers. And me, I'm not great at math. So I actually had to do the math on this and use like a number example just to see how mind-blowingly small that number is. So if you say out of 1,000 women who've experienced rape or sexual harassment, only 90 of those women out of the 1,000 will report it. Out of the 90 who reported, only four or five of them would be lying. It's so mm -hmm. small. And I get that it's scary, but it's so, you know, I mean, I wouldn't say it's insignificant because man, it would suck if that was you. But the unfortunate reality of the situation is if you men are, are worried for yourselves or worried about your fellow man, the number of men who are also affected by rape and sexual, you know, sexual abuse is so much higher than of men who are yeah. falsely accused. You stand up for that, you know, fight for that one. That's the thing that you should be, you know, angry about is that it happens to, to men too. I believe it's like one out of every 10 victims is a man, mm -hmm. a boy. And that's what you should be angry about is that when it happens to women, it happens to men too. 
and the numbers might not be as much, but it's still there. And it's still greater, far greater than you, you and your chance of being falsely accused. Now, when I circle back to Jisoo and what happened to her, she did try to lawyer up. She did try with whatever information she had at the time. And they straight up said, you're going to have a hard time trying to get this to stick in court. And that's, that's, that's the unfortunate reality of what's happening in our judicial system, not necessarily just in the U.S., but in a lot of places is because it's really hard to prosecute a crime when there is no have evidence of the act while it's taking place, no video right. evidence or audio recording or seeing it live in person, right? And but, that's usually what it is with sex is that it's private. Right. Exactly. So there's no no there's no exactly. evidence. You're not recording it, and there's no you know exactly. witnesses. And and the court isn't even like uh, the be all end all because you have criminal courts and civil court too. Hello, O.J. Simpson. Guy was found not guilty in criminal court, but was still found guilty in civil. So, and I mean, for the most part, a lot of people are just like, O.J. definitely did it. I, I, you know, and it's it's unfortunate they. Our justice system isn't perfect. So to just this is the American perspective, right? Yeah, that's at least like I'm just using that one as an example. Right. Uh, I'm not completely sure how the Mm -hmm. European judicial systems differ and how they are separate internally, like how the Danish one Mm -hmm. is separate to the German is separate to the French. But so I don't want to say anything wrong here, but my gut is that the European law systems in the individual countries are closer together than any of them is to the American one. I'm. Mm I can't say that with full confidence, but I think there's uh, at least largely major similarities between them uh, compared to the American one, which has this like division the way it does. Uh, but yeah, like I said, not gonna not gonna hundred percent vouch for that. But I think it's important to mention, right, that this perspective is obviously American. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. Uh, things might be very different in Europe or in Asia or in Russia, CIS in general. Um, right. The way this stuff gets handled. So yeah. maybe it's better, or maybe it's even worse. Maybe the American one actually in these cases is Yeah, I I know the US like, like everybody always makes jokes about the you get you get tried in a court uh, like with your peers and everybody's like really you really want that because I don't know I I don't know if it's just the US that does that. I'm very jaded think, on US related stuff lately. We seem to be number yeah. one in all the wrong areas lately, so I going with a lot of pessimism <laughs> when it comes to that. But let, let's look at some optimism, maybe, uh, unless yeah. this turns pessimistic. Moving forward with these issues with women in gaming, which I guess we did touch on a little bit ourselves last week, Cinderin, or the week mm-hmm. before. Uh, from your perspective, Nikki, is this is just just this just the beginning of the drama? Will there be a lot more people coming out in the future? You think? Is it just like a wave? Will this have a positive influence going forward? Like, what what are the long term ramifications for? what's been transpiring with let's just talk about dota as opposed to yeah i I mean i what i'm hoping is i'm hopeful that it it's getting uh, you know at least it has that conversation starting where you hear or you see it happening in these other industries and you don't think that oh our little dota bubble is safe but it's not Mm -hmm. and it hasn't been it hasn't felt safe for a lot of a big part of that community some like people like myself. Uh, so I think that one, it being out there is 
is a good is a good thing because then we can kind of start taking the steps into how to make it better. And I know working behind the scenes with some of like the women that, you know, I, I've been like talking to and stuff, a lot of tournament organizers are now actively asking, like, how can we make our, you know, like be like our events safer for the women in the scene or or the women that are attending? And then it, it, there's so there's a conscious effort. Inclusivity, you know, I saw like a data like tweeting out like he'd like to start hiring more you know, women and this diversify like his hires. And I think that's fantastic. Uh, so it's, it's, it's progress. Um, we just kind of unfortunately have had to drop a few things along the way. I hope we don't fall back to that comfort of, okay, now that's done. Time to get back into our normal case of things because you know that was like the hardest thing for me when you when you work in a predominantly male field is constantly having to what's the word either be invisible <laughs> so that you can keep doing what you're doing or try not to ruffle feathers mm -hmm. if you want if you want to you know be seen as an equal you kind of have to work around it like a certain way so i hope it gets a lot better for that I like their whole red eye stuff. Honestly, reading about it, the fact that it took this long—if that was—if that's really how he is and how difficult, like even if he didn't do all the, how difficult he is to work with for him to become as successful as he was—I'm kind of jealous because as a woman, we can't get away with that stuff. There is no way I could be difficult to work with and still have a career in the industry. I couldn't even come to this podcast without thinking about what to wear because I know if I wore a tank top in the heat of Arizona, you guys, did you guys think about what you want to wear for the podcast today? I mean, I had to think about it because I, I know I saw two shirts. I'm like, I, this one looks comfortable. Uh, <laughs> this one doesn't have literal <laughs> shit on it. Right. That one's clean. And, yeah, no, that's true. And it's kind of unfortunate that I have to think about what I have to wear to voice, to have this voice in this platform right now. Because I know, even though most people won't do it, there will be some, because I've had that experience before, that will judge me and see me and be like, what the heck is she wearing? How is she supposed to be an expert with this, with her tits hanging? It's like, it's like I have cleavage. I can't help it. You know? And... Same thing with like the whole red eye. Uh, the, the quote from that movie again. Oh, uh, that one was so good. We and watch a lot of movies, Cinder. So I'm sorry to leave you out. <laughs> I know. I don't. <laughs> no, one it's in really particular, good, I don't watch a lot much. of women. Mm. A lot of the women like struggle with this. And I think this is something that I want to seem to get better at. I don't want to be told that, hey, yes, you're equal. You know, share your thoughts. You know, tell us what you think. And it's good. Because... As, it, as she said, if you're if I'm angry, I'm considered hysterical. If I'm emotional, I am weak. And if I ever raise my voice, voice, I'm a bitch. So I can't have that equal conversation with other people. Meanwhile, men are able to freaking throw punches and still have a job. And I can't even like you know say something without having to think about am I saying this? in the right way that they're gonna, you know, that they're still gonna wanna work with me. 
I don't know. And I have to think about that. So those are all of these things like the power dynamics, how we treat women, how we see women and how we work with them. And I want all of that to get better. It's all like a big lump, unfortunately. Mm -hmm. And it's kind of unfortunate if like the only thing that I have to ask for and sit here right now and say is, please stop sexually harassing the women in the Dota scene. Because it should be more than that. That should be a given, but it doesn't seem to be. I should be fighting for more of an equal, you know, equal position at this table instead of having to just hope that, hey, someone's not going to grope my ass today. Yeah. I think we can all get on board with that. From from my perspective, what we also talked about last week, I think change like this is like it's really culturally ingrained right this isn't a Mm -hmm. problem that's unique to esports so it's not like we in our industry are just doing something completely different that's despicable and in other aspects of life this isn't there this is it's a uh what's the word i'm looking for it's a consequence of the way everything else is that this is also in esports but pretending that it's not there and turning a blind eye doesn't do anyone any good um and at the same time, like, I hope that every time something like this comes out, that it educates people, it drives, you know, progress in the direction. But I think at the same time, just like I said last week, I think it's important that we don't expect immediate incredible change because things like this take time. It's a gradual thing that will take years and years yeah. to get better and better and better over time. Because if you have the expectation that everything is going to magically be good in 2021, you're going to feel like you've lost by default mm-hmm. when you get there. Yeah. And that will be super discouraging. Then people are just going to give up because they're like, oh, well, we tried our best and it didn't happen. Well, it's happening slowly. And that's what's good. It's been like that with all sorts of societal change, with racism, with sexism, which has been worse. It's not great, but it's better now than it was X years ago in countries across the world. So it is getting better. But that doesn't mean we can't you know, speed it up a bit and try mm-hmm. to be the voice of reason and help out and going in the right direction. Uh, so that's what I hope that these yeah. cases show. And especially that there's like two sides to it, right? One is the fact that people are held accountable like this and that people dare to come forward uh, is likely to start this spiral where, first of all, it gets less and less acceptable to do things like this. Um, but it so that can be a deterrent that a lot of people maybe think twice before they do something or are more self-conscious about the position that they're in with what they're doing, but also that the ones who have been faulted uh, are more likely to come forward as they see over time that they get treated better and better when they come forward. And that's why it's important that there's a lot of positive reinforcement because I can tell you firsthand that there is you get thrown a lot of shit at you when you take a stance on something like this, no matter which side you're on, there are a lot of people that are out to get you. Mm -hmm. And the more like positive reinforcement we can have for people telling their story and coming forward with something that's so hard, that is just for them individually, that means a lot to just, you know, go move on with their everyday and not feel like they made a terrible mistake posting or saying something, even though they knew they were right. Um, but also just because it, it reinforces the idea in other people that they can do this too. Uh, and that's, that's kind of the whole like, idea of the Me Too movement, right? Is to motivate people yeah. to 
start actual change by not just being one story, but being one story out of a million, right? right? Also really makes the problem seem a lot more authentic when you get so many more, you know, stories about the same people or about the same industry, et cetera. So, yeah. Yeah. From my perspective, it's, it, I can just look at myself and my growth as a person over the past <clears throat> 20 plus years when I've actually started, and it's less than that, but started to try to improve myself, uh, be more empathetic that I, <laughs> Nikki can attest. I have lacked empathy at times, but uh, I think as long as you're trying to improve on things that you consider faults of your own, that's, uh, that's kind of the starting point. So <clears throat> with that, uh, let's, move on to the last topic today, which is actually completely separate. And at first we thought this would be maybe a little awkward to talk about because it's not related to anything that we just previously talked about. But I think it's too big of a story, too big of a thing to put off for a week. Um, if you guys have heard of Recful, he was a World of Warcraft. This is where he got to start as a World of Warcraft player, a very popular streamer as well, committed suicide recently. Um, and... Uh, suffered from depression his entire life, which I, I, I've only watched a few of his streams. I didn't really follow him that much, but I know that he was very open about his depression. Um, his brother actually killed himself when Reckful was a kid. So I can only imagine what that family is going through. I believe they have a third uh, son that is still alive right now. Uh, I read a roommate uh, of Reckful talk a little bit about the situation, and there's been a lot of twitlongers and whatnot. Um, some of the stuff that stuck out to me were, well, number one, people blaming his friends for not doing anything. And I, I think that mental illness is one of those things that's just completely not understood by the masses. And even to me, that's had some, like I've had a friend, for example, a uh, very good friend of mine was diagnosed with schizophrenia. Essentially, <clears throat> when I was a, we were one year apart, so he was one year ahead of me. And he freshman year of college he was a normal he just completely normal just one day snapped and turned into somebody that was completely different started hearing voices never really got violent or anything like that but he was essentially abandoned by his family which that's a whole nother thing and he's just living he's still alive he's living in a horrible state that's a whole nother story as well going into the u.s system with mental illness and whatnot it's just a complete joke um, but going back to Reckful, uh, obviously struggled for a long time, was put in a, the thing that stuck out to me is he was put in a mental, mental institution for, I forget how long it was. I don't think it was that long, like a couple weeks or something like that. And it, because he was very suicidal throughout his life and he, he was telling everybody how it was the most miserable experience of his life because the way that they have it set up was, um, he was talked to as if he was a child, like he was literally a straight jacketed type of person where you're talking to somebody like they don't know that you're there where he's very aware of what's going on, but he's just very sad. Like there's nothing he can do about it. And just the treatment that he got there kind of scared him and other people within his circle from sending him back to a facility that could have helped potentially, mm -hmm. uh, but just a really sad or state of affairs. Right. So yeah. do you guys have any thoughts about this before we wrap up the episode? Uh, yeah, so I, I read the main thing I've read is the whole uh, tweet longer from his roommate, because I think that is the closest you're going to get to understand what's going on and understanding mental health and mental illness is really, really difficult. 
uh, a lot of the time, all logic and all your experience with the world kind of just doesn't apply where you you can't put yourself in their position because you have no reference of what it's like. Um, so it's very difficult to be like, oh, you should do this or, you know, the, these people are genuinely trying to help him, but they're kind of grasping for straws because they don't even know they don't know what the help is. That's where this professional system is supposed to bridge that gap and be like, we are the people that are educated in this. We know the most out of anyone how to try to help with this heavy stuff. But if the people that they get sent to when they get uh, are supposed to get help are the wrong people, they're treating something completely different based on what was expressed, right? With, with his week in that uh, mental, was it even mental asylum? I think it was that they sent him mm-hmm. to. Yeah. yeah. Um, it's like, there's the complete disconnect. Like you're just, you're not even, what can you compare this to? It's like you have, you have cancer and you get sent to the forest and then you're like, you will find your answers to cancer in the forest. You know, like this is where you will find true enlightenment and beat cancer. It's like, no, it fucking isn't. The answer is not out there. The answer is with the people that know something. And it's a totally different story in the US because of how absurdly expensive treatment is. That's a separate issue. And which actually in part of the statement about Recful became a problem because he had invested so much of his money into his life dream of releasing a game that I believe is still being worked on. It was called, was it Everlast? Yeah. Or Everland so. or something? Everland. Everland, Everland. Everland. Everland yeah. Um, so he couldn't afford the treatment, which was supposed to be, was it $50,000 for a couple of weeks of treatment, which is absurd. Like a lot of people that have these mental illnesses can't get the help they need. They can't afford it. So yeah. like, it's just like the thing that's really sad about this to me is people are, pre- a lot of people that talk about this case are presenting it as something sudden. But now that you hear the backstory from his roommate, this has been going on for so long and he still couldn't get the help he needed. That's just really sad. Like, it's just such a sad story about somebody who was really successful, great at what he did, a smart person who just got dealt a bad hand and eventually just got fucked by the system, really. Uh, And his friends who tried their best to help him get painted by the community as bad friends because they quote unquote didn't try their best to help him. Well, it really isn't easy. I think yeah. based on what that guy wrote, they tried their damned hardest. But it's just a, an unbreakable case for a non-professional. You, you can only go so far, right? So I I know I, it was a different like thing that I read where they mention or someone mentioned that they can't even tell their own therapist if they have any desires or any or wanting to actually attempt suicide just because it's a must report or uh for for the therapist and then you get put in those institutions so even trying to seek that help how could you how do you go to a therapist and say i'm having these thoughts or i would like to do this help me but the help is so bad so you don't say anything so th- like th- it's so broken and it's it's so sad when you hear or read these accounts and i it's it's to me i i i i don't know 
what to do other than try, you know, how do we fix this like on a small scale? Is it something we can do on a small scale or our government? How do we get people to take this a little more seriously? One, normalize it. Normalize that like a lot of people are dealing with mental health and it's not having depression and or or having, you know, certain like mental illnesses does not make you crazy. Mm-hmm. That, like it's not a one-to-one and i and i that's i think a big thing big stigma and i remember twitter or you know was doing this thing where everybody was talking about i have these mental health issues that i'm dealing with i'm on these medications everybody was just like putting it out there to let other people know hey <coughs> I, you know you're not alone you mm-hmm. have you know you're it's, it's almost like a it, that's, that's why it's, it's kind, might be a little bit appropriate attaching this next to the the me too stuff because that's a, a different form of it telling people that we're all kind of going through this yeah mm-hmm. so many people i think a lot of it comes this. down to not understanding and that, not to say that i fully mm-hmm. understand it either um but just looking into it a little bit more I, there was actually a really good analogy i can't remember the, the streamer's name but there was a video of him recently giving an analogy about what severe depression is like it's like you're you're uh, shoveling snow constantly out of your driveway. You have to do every single day. The snow keeps coming. If you don't deal with it, it keeps snowing on you. You just get trapped and you feel like you can't do anything. If a friend comes over, try to cheer you up, they can help you do that as well. And then they'll leave like, oh, I just fixed that. You didn't fix it. You helped temporarily because it's coming back. It's just a constant downfall. And that's what it feels like to be uh, severely depressed. So, Yeah. Uh, So, Yeah. yeah, those... Very, very heavy episode. Nikki, thank you for coming on. Uh, appreciate your insights. Thanks for having me. Um, I thought that we would end on a high note. Would you like to tell any of your stories, perhaps from Hollywood, that would be entertaining to people? Uh, I remember one in particular, if you want to tell that one. That one is kind of hilarious. It was very mean. It, but, it's mean, but it, it's funny because you know the person as a celebrity, you know? So. I don't know. Maybe, maybe Cinder doesn't even know who this is. That would be so funny. Do you know who Roseanne is? Roseanne Barr? Uh, oh, my God. All right. Story's ruined already. <laughs> I'm Googling it. We uh, also have... Just go on with the story. It's fine. He'll catch up. So when you're so when agents when when staff meetings happen, uh, if it's in the morning, you get usually like bagels, cream cheese. It's like a standard thing, you know, some platter or whatever. And then if it's a lunch meeting, people order lunch or and all that. So I remember that I had to do this if, uh, when as an assistant is one of the best days is staff meeting days because when you're a poor assistant in Hollywood, sometimes you can't, you know, you have to pay rent, so you kind of skip breakfast. And a lot of agents, when they're done in their staff meeting, they leave the bagels and the assistants are free to feast, right? <laughs> uh, so to be clear, though, this, 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 this one in particular did not happen to me, but to an assistant friend of mine, because I was not on a bagel like situation. So Roseanne attended a staff <laughs> You were not on a bagel situation. I've never heard that one no. before. Okay. <laughs> so Roseanne just finished the staff meeting and she knew 
with the like you know as soon as like everybody was like leaving you see the assistants coming in because they're supposed to clean up and all of that and she sees like oh i see you guys are looking for you know you're looking for some scraps and she's she uh, she grabs her finger licks it and starts dipping it in like the food <laughs> as they watched and she was like how do you like that and then she laughs and she leaves <laughs> what a piece She's of absolute not very shit. nice. See, I feel good laughing about this now because her career was ruined because she ended up being blatantly was it racist? I forget what it was. Yeah. Something happened on her show and she just got canceled off of everything. So Yeah, she was She's a real pile of shit. Um Yeah. I mean and I know there's like a lot of like random small ones like George Constanzo and he had a like a what's his name on Seinfeld? Yeah. Um, uh Wow. Jason Alexander. <laughs> Jason, right. Al yeah, George, yeah. Jason Alexander, he, he this was so weird. So I remember <laughs> I was, I was, he was, he was, he was coming by our office and he was going to walk around. We're just going to get a tour. But prior to that, I, I, I was, I was an agent already at the time. I had an assistant starts walking around and knocking on everybody's door. And he says, all right, George, like, or not George, uh, Jason Alexander is going to be stopping by. I was like, all right, that's fine. And it's like, you cannot say anything about his wig. And I was like, what? <laughs> and I was like, okay. And he has to go through each office to let everybody know that we're not allowed to say anything about his wig. So, so it's it's actually from but Seinfeld. But it was really weird. Him wearing it this really horrible was. wig on these episodes. And he wears it in real... Everyone knows he's bald. No, so I don't yeah, understand. Here's the thing. This... This was like years after Seinfeld was already over. Yeah. Everybody knows he's bald. <laughs> so I didn't understand why he decided that I'm suddenly going to have hair again. Uh, I don't great. know. But that was... All right, last thing. Who's the cuddliest, nicest guy you met in Hollywood? As the cats are about to fight behind you, it looks like. Looks like monkey Ooh. wins. There's actually a lot of uh, nicest, cuddliest guy. Um... Probably it's a tie between Brian Doyle Murray, which is Bill Murray's brother, mm -hmm. and Robert England, the guy who plays Freddy Krueger. I barely know who that is. I've maybe seen that movie once when I was like eight. Nightmare on Elm Street? Yeah, I think I, I, I remember yeah, him. the cats are fighting. <clears throat> yes, they are. Uh, which yeah, means we should right probably on. end this episode because they are hungry. <laughs> hungry cats today, Cinderin. Uh, they anyway. can't hear you. To wrap up the episode, Cinder, have you seen In Bruges? No. Nikki, have you seen In Bruges? Yes. Did you like Is it? Is it good, Nikki? Yes. All right, come give me a high five for watching In Bruges. Object. Come. That's right. You are an inanimate. No, I'm not come give me a high five right now. We're not ending the episode until you come. I seriously. You're wearing a wireless headset. You have zero excuse. Oh my God. Is, there's not much so opportunity to give high five in person on podcast, Cinder. And she's oh really God. bad at giving high fives, too. Oh, I have to see this. Okay, look Jeez. at the elbow. You need to look at the elbow, then you never right. miss. That was, that was pretty good. If I didn't say anything, she would have missed my hand entirely. 100% guaranteed. Okay, no. Okay, so anyway, thanks for watching, guys. Uh, until next, thanks again for Nikki, uh, to Nikki for coming on. Or Sajadine, I should call you. You can follow her at Sajadine, which it's spelled like it is on the screen. Uh, <laughs> if you're listening, it's S-A-J-E-D-E-N-E. Until next time, guys, Suns fans, Cinder, and Sajadine signing out. Goodbye. Bye. Bye. We say things that don't mean anything. 
but thanks for listening. Yeah.